Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Oh, I can't believe we're here again. Show number 44. And we want to welcome you. I am Rick Summers. He is Chris Semino. I am. We are middle-aged warriors. Yeah, you still are, aren't you? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> just, not just sure these check. days. <laughs> yeah, I know. There are days, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to welcome you to our uh, our show, Middle-Aged Warriors, on the Believe Podcast Network. And um, it's ironic that we should take a twist that we're taking uh, this week, because generally I like to think, Chris, you and I go about this being pretty lighthearted. Here we are in the doldrums mm-hmm. and the darkness of winter and uh, seemingly uh, doing, I don't want to call it a dark show, but certainly a show that just doesn't resonate with a great deal of lightness. And that is a show about loss because it's something, A, we've all been dealing with, B, we've all dealt with. And see, we are all going to continue to deal with. So let us explain how we even got to this point. Yeah, obviously, if you're a middle-aged warrior, I think you've been there, done that. And like you said, probably, unfortunately, have to do it again. It's part of life, and it's it's lost. But uh, the irony about the sequencing of this show, to fill everybody in a little bit, last week's show with uh, Dr. Brian McDonough, about maybe less than a half hour before we had to go and start the interview, I received news of a, a former coworker of mine at uh, WNBC New York on Today in New York. She was a reporter and Cat uh, Craig, or that she was known as Cat Craig, Catherine Craig, at 47 years old, just suddenly left us and uh, passed away. So that was kind of tough going into that show. It didn't even set in yet. So over the past week, there's been a lot of going back to that family, which, you know, I have not been with per se other than occasionally socially since leaving there uh, 18 months plus ago but today was the funeral so now here we are doing this show and I'm about eh, a couple of hours removed from the funeral but I think what I want today's show to be about is how we deal with it how we cope with it how we accept it and more importantly at the end I really want to talk about how we move on from it and, mm-hmm. you know, loss comes in a lot of different ways. It, you know, we always immediately think of loss of the person physically, they're no longer here, but there are other types of losses that happen. There's loss also though of spouse, there's loss of friends, there's loss of mothers and fathers. So, uh, you know, there is a commonality in all of that, I think in the process and how we deal with it. And I think specifically the process again of men Versus women, particularly, I think, when it comes to death and, and loss of somebody and, and loss of a spouse. So, you know, here I I watched today this young guy, her husband, Bill, Kat's husband, 47 years old, and he's got three young children, a 14-year-old, and then I believe a nine and a five-year-old. It's heartbreaking. You know, these kids will never have their mom again. And then my thought went to him. What could he possibly be feeling right now? Probably numb. That's what I'm thinking. Well, let me put on my therapist hat for a second. First ask, I, I want to express my condolences. I did not know Kat. 
And, uh, but I know that, uh, you had a connection with her because you guys worked together for many, many years and had nothing to say. And I want to put on that therapist hat and say, how are you? I'm okay. You know, there's been a series of things that have happened loss wise over the last several years and I'm getting, you know, everybody's, I'm sure people have had it even worse than me, but you know, since obviously the loss of my wife, which will be five years in May, which was tremendous with somebody that I've been with for 40 years of my life. And prior to that, by a year or so, my dad, um, it, it it's hard to explain that I've reached the point of, well, it's almost like a roulette wheel that's running around. And at any given point, it could fall into anybody. The ball could fall into anybody's number. And that's why I've decided to embrace life in, in moving forward and live every day as best I can, hopefully with that mindset. But there, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to bullshit you that this stuff doesn't hurt and doesn't bring you down and make you go like, why? why? Well, what's going on yeah. here? What the hell is going on here? And, you know, it, it is it is hard to explain. Um, there's, I, I would assume, a reason. But I will say this much, even about today's funeral. And we've all been to different funerals for different people, old, younger, middle-aged, whatever the case might be, friends, family, co-workers. Um, Kat was <laughs> sunshine. This woman was, I mean, what a bright light. If you met her once, you will, you would never forget who this person was. She was that kind of, that kind of array of, of, of light and hope mm -hmm. and joy and happiness. And she brought it everywhere she went. And, you know, sometimes we talk about the dead, like suddenly they're, they become, you know, angelic automatically and, just by dying. Yeah, I'm telling you, this yeah. one had her wings here. And just, just a little example of who this person was to tie it kind of in a weird way altogether. Uh, it was probably about a couple of months after my wife had passed away. And I lived close to, was staying in an apartment close to Central Park at that point. And some nights I'd sit in there and I'm like, I can't stay here. I, I just was going crazy staring at the four walls. It was too depressing. And so I go out to the park and I'd sit on the park bench and I'd people watch. So it was like a Tuesday evening, maybe in June, early July. So it was still light at 7, 730. Keep in mind, you know the hours, Rick. <laughs> you got to mm -hmm. go to bed yes, by I nine. Do. That's late. <laughs> that's staying up. Um, and in the, in the sea of faces, walking along the path of where I'm sitting on this bench, I see a face I know. And I'm like, oh, that's that's Kat Craig. What the hell is she doing here? You know, and, you know, I kind of called out, hey, Kat. And she looked, oh, oh, hi, Chris. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, well, you know, I, I promised a friend. She's having a birthday party tonight. I, I promised a friend I would DJ for them to help them out. <laughs> I said, Kat, it's, it's, a, it's a Tuesday night. Yeah, I know. And then I thought to myself, what I, why would I even ask that question? This woman would go to gatherings and parties and whatever and be right back on the air at 4 o'clock in the morning, fresh as a daisy with more energy than anybody else. But the thing that stuck out the most about that moment was not just that. And she stopped and she sat next to me and we talked for a good 10, 15 minutes because she knew I was still hurting and I was still looking for some sort of companionship at that moment. And I'll never, ever forget that moment. Now, since she passed, I've spoken to other coworkers and one in particular who is a very good friend of hers, uh, goes by the name of Tracy Strahan, also a reporter out in the field. The two of them were our morning reporters. 
And she brought up that story. And she said, you know, now I thought, well, Kat sat down next to me, moved on. It was just another Catherine Craig encounter for her. You know, she met Chris and that was it. She said, you know how often she would tell that story to me and how, how much she respected you and loved you. And I, that just oh my blew me away. And that's the kind of person, but that's what, she, you know, even in the midst of like, think about it. She's raising children. She's working that early morning shift. There's a reporter out in the field. Then during the middle of the week, she's going to help a friend DJ a party, but no, no, in the in between, she's going to help another friend and sit at a park bench and talk to them because they need some comfort. It really doesn't get much, much better than that. I'm sure, you know, she's a human being. I'm sure there were things that weren't perfect, perfect, but let me tell you, the cat that most people and that I've ever run into have seen, this was a very, very special person. So that's why this loss is, this is a tough one. This is, it's, this, this one has been a little tough for me personally. Yeah. It's substantial for you personally. And uh, from what you've said professionally and just personally, she uh, was exemplary and uh, we can't afford not to have those people in our lives. And um, I'm really sorry for you and I'm sorry for yeah. your, your brethren at uh, at Channel Four here in New York, uh, who lost a, a yeah. good colleague and a great human being from everything you've described, and you know if you believe in the afterlife, if you believe that she's gone on to a better place, that she's hearing anything that we're saying mm -hmm. or looking down on us, uh, then hopefully she can smile with a sense of I done good. You know, yeah. the time may have been short. It may have been cut short, but I done good while I'm here. And I think that's all we can ask for. Right. Yeah. I mean, one could only hope she heard the praise just from the, the priest today and, and other friends who would come up to speak. So, you know, in, in moving on about this particular topic now, it's it dealing with something like this seems at the very moment incomprehensible. And then as I was observing, just, I don't, I don't know her husband personally, but just in observing him and talking to other people who had seen him the night before. And, you know, and you know this as well, when somebody close passes, the, the days that surround it, perhaps even a couple of weeks that surround it are an event, it's an event. Not necessarily a good event, but it gets categorized, at least for me in my head, it's like, well, this is an event. So we've got to do this, 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 and this, and you know, check all the boxes and get it all done. But then, so you're in the middle of that and you're not really absorbing what's really happened. That this person is now not gone for the time frame of the event, they're gone. They're not coming back. Yeah. And then what happens is everybody goes home and everybody goes back to their lives and they have to, I mean, you know, but they're there for you for a period of time to support you and God bless anyone who does that. I, I, and I, I say that from having been the recipient of that, but then everybody eventually has to go back to their lives. And then all of a sudden you're left with, she's not coming through that door anymore. When I, when I come in that door, she's not there. When I go in that bed, she's not there. When, when I want to yell at the kids and say, can you go get him and tell him to stop? She's not there. And, and that's, I think that's when the process really begins. And, uh, and that's something I think some people sometimes forget. And that's why to me, it's important to check in with people who've lost some, some in a situation like this, you got to check in 
three months, four months, five months. Keep just keep checking in periodically. Yeah. Just to see how they're doing, just to take their temperature, just to let them know that they're not forgotten. Because that's what starts to happen. You start to feel like, oh, it was great when it was a thing to be around me because I I lost my spouse. But now that's kind of gone into the background. So therefore, they don't have to be here anymore either. Now, I can't tell you I had a, a, people like that because I've been very blessed. But I know that happens. I've, you've heard stories of people saying, well, since, since she's passed or since he's passed, they don't come around anymore. Yeah. It's awkward. Um, there's nothing awkward. Just come and be with those people. People who've lost somebody that significant in their life, they need to feel present they need to feel some uh, something in terms of familiarity of what the past was. And that is you as their friend or as a family member or whatever it might be. I, I think those, those steps are important that people need to understand. Did you find that people often didn't know what to say, so they didn't say anything, which to me is the biggest affront uh, because it's really not about, you're not solving it. You're not bringing somebody back. Um, you can say something that says, I don't know what to say, but I acknowledge the situation you're going through and I'm so sorry for you and just showing up and really that's it. Showing up is 90%. Yeah. I I think presence and just saying like, if you are in that scenario where you don't feel like you have some, you know, pie in the sky, philosophical statement to make for somebody of enlightenment, um, simply say, look, if you, whatever you need, however you see me as, you know, a facilitator to help you get through this, I'm here. I'm here. That's it. Don't be afraid to reach out. I'm not throwing this at you as BS. Please reach out to me. Um, I had a particular person and I won't name names because it's the person that's tied to something else in my life that wasn't handled very well either. And he said to me, uh, I remember at the funeral, I don't know what to say. Fair enough. I don't know if that's really something that somebody who's mourning wants to hear, though. And you know, as you just brought out, I don't know what to say. Maybe it's honest, um, yeah. but I, I think saying, and he was in a position to say, we're here for you. We've got your back. That's all. That's all you that's have to it. say. You know, and, and, and I think people just want to feel that, you know, you'll you you'll be thought about you know down the road as as you move on with something like this and you know the thing in this scenario again and and in my scenario as well widowers you know men living past their spouses this is a young age generally speaking i guess as you get older it tends to be men pass away before their wives but not always uh but I don't think, you know it's a whole i i i've learned through my own experience and and reading about it it's a whole different process, a widow versus a widower. And in terms of support, which is odd, and maybe it comes back to the thing that you always talk about. Uh, what, what's what's the line you say? Uh, men are, guys will cry when their team gets eliminated from the playoffs, but right. you know, when, when, yeah. when real life things happen, they're afraid to cry because, oh, they're going to look weak. I think there's part of that that still goes on. Lord knows it didn't go on with me. Uh, I'm, I'm a, you know... My heart's on my sleeve all the time, and, and maybe we're, we're a little bit different than the typical male, but most men, they, they don't understand. They have to cry. They have to go through this mourning process. One thing I learned in a, in a short little 
therapy period I went through with, with somebody in particular who was wonderful and giving me some great tools. And uh, she said to me, when it comes, you can't run from it. Mm. You can't hide from it. You can't drink your way away from it or drug your way away from it, whatever you want to do. You've got to be with it. You have to allow it to be with you because if you don't accept it, it's going to keep chasing you because that's what it, it wants to catch up to you. It wants to belong to you and it has to. And that is a process. You have to sit down and go, all right, I, look, it still happens. People look at me now, nearly five years later, I'm in an, another relationship and you know, there's all sorts of things and we'll get into this a little bit in, in terms of the moving on, kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But the, the fact of the matter is I will mourn to a degree forever. I will. I lost that person. That was a huge part of my life. That Absolutely. That was my other half. But I'm not going to mourn publicly. You're not going to see me doing things. And you're going to see me moving on with the rest of my life and trying to enjoy it because life is a gift. And I, and I can't sit curled up in a, well, those are your choices. You can curl up in a ball and, and hide the rest of your life once you suffer something like this, or you can you know, embrace life as a gift and realizing how fragile it is. But I decided to take that path. But that doesn't mean there any on any given day, I could still be hit like blindsided by a train emotionally about the loss. It still happens. And, and, it, and it's okay. And I go, okay, I don't think I've lost my mind. You realize uh, if you were gonna get hit by anything, it should probably be a bolt of lightning, right? Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Uh, but that comes so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I want to um, hear it coming a little bit in the distance so I can I can prepare myself. As we're doing but, a little exploration here, I just wanted to ask you, when was the first time you lost a contemporary in your life? Uh, somebody in high school, somebody in college? Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. remember that? Um, there, there was not a close friend in senior year in high school, but a close friend I lost. I believe I was about 26 27 years old um, yeah. and he died quickly of a, of a rapid moving leukemia. And that was, you know, what? You don't ever think, you know, other people die. Right. And much older young people die. How does that happen? And that's an awakening. That's definitely an awakening. I mean, for you, for me, it was also at about that age. I mean, obviously I had been aware of death um, at an earlier age by losing family members, grandparents and whatnot. But the first time I lost a contemporary, I must have been 27. Um, and my friend Mark, uh, who I went to college with, who was one of my closest friends, and I loved him madly. He was just a, an angel on earth. And um, Mark contracted hepatitis wow. and had um, a whole liver transplant and seemed to be on the mend and we thought he was going to be okay, but ultimately he never was. And ultimately he, he, he just couldn't do it. You know, he just, and I remember being 27 years old, burying my friend and thinking, huh? It just, it, it didn't that doesn't seem register. right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it's really hard register. to process. And even now I still think about him and think about it. And that was, that was uh, back in 1987. It was a long time ago. But going back to spousal loss and I mean, for, you know, if I threw this out, I mean, statistically, if you look up statistically, even I believe it's post 70 year old, let alone prior to 70 years old. But when men, you know, they widowers, they become widowers. The percentage of men that remarry 
is so much higher than women, so much higher. In fact, I believe over 70 or 75, it's only 2% for women and 20 or 25% for men. And younger, it's even larger, the differential. And I don't know, let me, let me ask you, what do you think that theory is? What's behind that, that men can't go on by themselves? They seem to need that type of, that partner, that companionship to be tied into a marriage where women somehow seem to get on with it. What do you think that is? I have a couple of different thoughts. Uh, mm -hmm. One is comical, which is... <laughs> you with the comical thought? Yeah, really. Which is a woman who is older doesn't want to remarry a man who's older because she doesn't have enough time to, to break him in. And to get oh. him into the right, <laughs> I like to right break shape. him in. Very nice. Yeah. Well played. I'll be calling Valerie sure later. Gonna, Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to catch all kinds of crap for that, but, and well, I should, but uh, my other thought is that uh, I, I just get the sense looking at my mom and what she went through to, uh, my stepfather who just recently passed my, my mother died oof, 18, 18, 19 years ago. It was a long time ago. Mm. And he was by himself for all those time, for all that time. And he couldn't do the very basic stuff that she did for them as a couple. Right. Um, and it was, uh, it was kind of frustrating, saddening, and eye-opening because I realized I think women in some way, shape, or form are better equipped yeah, I mean, if you looked at a marriage and you tried to give titles, probably the CEO is usually the wife. <laughs> the I CEO. Mean, yeah, the CFO might be the husband. Today's world's a little bit different, right. but you know, he might. You know, it was, and you know, that was it. That's all he had to do was bring home the the, the bacon, and the rest of the operation of of a home was was handled by the woman. And you know, I can certainly speak to that. And I was panicky. And, and, you know, in my scenario, because it it was sudden, but it really wasn't sudden, there was time and there was time to have conversations. And there was time, you know, I have, I still to this day, I have a notebook <laughs> that I sat down with my wife and she sat down with me and we went through everything and where everything was and, and when it had to get paid and how it got paid and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And things that I, for, for lack of anything other than being, you know, for me, sometimes I feel like, well, what an idiot. What was, what was I right. thinking? Why was I so presumptuous that she was going to handle it? Although, I mean, you know, she didn't complain about it. She enjoyed handling it, but the time came where it was all on me. And I thank her to this day and every day that she left me a, this very tight, efficient notebook of, uh, of direction of, of what to do. Otherwise, I have to be honest, I would have I would have been floundering, you know, for months and months, if not years and years, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. But everybody, again, moves on in different ways. And, and, and that's the next thing about moving on. And in particular, when you're a younger person, male or female, obviously, where first of all, if you're going to move on, where do you put the memories exactly? And I think you and I talked about even doing a show, something like this. Why, you know, how, why do we hold on to certain things or, or why does letting go of certain things feel like such a, a detachment, whether mm -hmm. it's a, a, a picture, a card? Like I could tell you personally, I had a very hard time getting rid of anything that had my wife's handwriting on it. Mm -hmm. And it could be a stupid note. It literally was was notes left on the washer and dryer because 
she always did the laundry and we never did it. So make sure after the wash, you leave the door open for a while so it doesn't get mildew and the moisture dries out. Make sure on the dryer, you check the lint thing every you know two, two dries. Just that, because handwriting to me, that was hers. That, that's her original. That, like, that right. physically meant she touched a pen, which physically touched this paper. Which I don't know why even that is harder for me than looking at a picture and going, I could put that picture in a drawer somewhere. It doesn't have to be out anymore. Or it, it's a, or even clothes. I, you know, very few clothes that I have an issue with. But I don't know what it is about handwriting. Hey, we want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, and that would be eBay. Whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you've been looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, you know eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. Yeah, with eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And if you're on the other side of the coin as a sneaker seller out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. That sounds good. I know my son was doing this for years. My garage was filled with sneaker boxes. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Do you have a particular thing that you feel you connect with somebody? More? I'm so glad you brought it up because yeah, and just I this happened to me this morning. I was going through the computer and looking for an email, and I realized that when people die, I will not delete their email from my from my um mm. my contacts. I I feel a sense of of shame thinking about well. I'm not going to be in touch with this person anymore. So I may as well just free up the space on my computer. Right. So yeah, that's an area. So that I'm is, looking through my email. Yeah. I'm looking through the contact list and I'm going, Holy Christ. I know a lot of people that had died. Mm. It's yeah. I mean, it, it's just something God, nobody ever impressed that upon me. Nobody ever suggested it. It's just something that I felt. But and you have a hard time. Lines, you don't want to get rid of them. You 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 don't want to delete them, right? You feel in, right. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like deleting their email is is <laughs> deleting their being. Yeah, which has already been done because they're long right. gone. I mean, these are people that have been gone since the inception of email many 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 moons ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other thing I won't do is I I do not like ripping up pictures of people. I know who are still alive. I, I feel superstitious about really? you know, throwing it out or, or ripping it up or doing anything yeah. like that. I'm not a big picture terror myself, but it's uh, but that's but that was an interesting point because well, I mean, you know, to be honest, you know, to be totally revealing here, and I guess it's part of the technology. You know, there are times in the beginning, especially when you sometimes I, I do uh, would talk to out loud to the person who's gone and try to, you know, I'm engaging in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And then for the longest time, I could not shut down my wife's cell phone and I kept it and I kept, you know, paying for it. And, but I would text her, I would leave texts 
just, you know, and again, it's to that point of whatever it is that we tie to a person and a way of communicating or vice versa, that they communicated to us. I, I would never delete any messages on my phone from somebody. I have a buddy who I lost uh, not that long ago. I'm not deleting any of the messages on the phone. I never will. And he will stay there. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's like the email kind of thing. It's, uh, you know, I never really thought about it until you just brought it up. I mean, I do it, but I just figured, oh, that's, that's logical. But maybe some people would look at it. I mean, I know people who once somebody dies, they wipe everything out. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's almost like saying they never existed. I don't know. Maybe that's it again. And that, and that, that leads to different ways in, in which we heal. So to move on in the topic and hopefully get to the brighter point of all of this, because this whole thing is a journey when you're younger, particularly, you know, when you're a, a dad, especially, um, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's really different mom or dad. It might even be tougher as a mom and you've got children dating, you know, there's, does somebody want to get involved with that at this point? Really? You know, does a woman want to come in and go, oh, am I going to be sort of like their mom, not their mom, completely not their mom, or you want me to be their mom? And and that's a lot of weight to put onto somebody in a relationship. And, and that's kind of, the you know, for me, I was fortunate in the sense that my kids, you know, my daughter had just literally the week before my wife passed away, graduated college. My son was out of college for five years. You know, these were adults. These were young adults. Still hurt. They still lost their mom. And there was a there was a void there that I kept trying to fill for the first few years that I realized, what am I doing? You, I couldn't just be dad and just mm -hmm. be a good dad and be there for them. But I was trying to be mom and dad. And I realized that blew up my face. But at least I didn't, in moving forward, have to come out as a guy that's Oh, by the way, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. And that's got to be very, very tough in moving forward. It really does. But in terms of from the perspective of, well, let me ask you this, from your, from your side, let's say when you, after your first marriage, now you're single and there's a woman you liked, right. but she had a couple of young kids. Would that affect how you approach that relationship, do you think? It might've. Yeah. I can't say for sure, but it might've uh, depending upon at what point in my life I was at, um, because, uh, knowing me from the times twice that my marriages have dissolved, I was so selfish that I don't think I could really step up to the plate and be there mm. for somebody else's kids the way that I probably should be or would want to be in a relationship with somebody who had children from a prior marriage. Yeah, I mean, because the bottom line in all of that, and, and that is a whole different ball of wax, because while you're mourning and trying to move on and trying to move forward with your life, you've got to, number one, you've got to take care of the kids. Now, of course, if you're not in a good place, then that's not going to work for the kids either. Right. So that's the juggling act there, uh, that it was tough enough for me. I cannot imagine, you know, how somebody deals with that so you sort of got to give everything time you're giving yourself time to heal before you move on At the same time you're giving your kids time to heal and then when you start to introduce ultimately down the line if you do decide to to seek out friendship partnership spouse whatever um you you've, you have to deal with that but i would say separating from that for me one of the biggest things was 
about do something I always wanted to do, but never did sort of because of the relationship or just sort of the situation of my life when I was in a marriage. And I, I think that's a good way of opening the door to the next step in your life. I, I, I this is my, only in my opinion. If you take a continuum of where you were when the person was alive to when the person is now gone and you think you're going to continue that same way, I don't know if that's the greatest idea in the world because I think you'll never get out of it. You'll never get out from under the shadow of that and you'll probably never live the fullest life you can live. And I think people get caught up in thinking that means, well, if I do that, I'm disrespecting that person. Well yeah, and then we we start to weave the word guilt into the equation, which right. is is such a waste. Um, life is too short. Well, you know, and again, that was one of the process. The the biggest thing I learned, and even going through going back to you know the therapy, is that forgiving myself. You know, truly forgiving myself, and when and when you can truly do that, the guilt goes away, and you're human. And you start to move forward thinking less about how people are, what people are thinking about you and what they're saying about you as, you know, screw you. That's your life. That's your judgment of me. You want to think that I shouldn't be doing that. Well, you know what? You should be paying more attention to your own life, but okay, that's fine. But you need as an individual to feel the guilt has to go away. You have every right to do this. You have to know that that's what the person, and, and I have to be honest, I mean, I really think, I mean, I know how I feel. I know how, you know, Nancy felt um, that they want you to be happy. You know, who goes on and goes, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm leaving this planet, but I hope you're miserable. You know, that's <laughs> like my, my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because she's still alive. Uh, but <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a whole divorce. She's divorce out there. And this if she's is a listening, thing. she's nodding right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So. No, but you know, obviously, you know that kind of thing. The relationships breaking up while both people are still here is is a little different. But I think just being able to to push yourself and push your boundaries to places that they hadn't been while in that relationship, but you had thought about it's an it's an important experiment for yourself to discover yourself, to discover a new part of yourself. Because I just feel like if you take the same old person with you moving forward, it doesn't work anymore. You're treading water. Yeah. And I, you know, I often, you know, this, this is the one that got me into hot water, by the way, uh, by dropping the so-called F-bomb on WNBC when it wasn't really an F-bomb, but <laughs> I literally was, you know, and I told the story before, but I literally was having a discussion with my coworker about loss. And as time goes on, you, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling at first when you start to think less and less. I mean, I can remember in the beginning, every night, every day and or night for weeks, I cried at least once. Then it became, oh, you know what? I didn't cry on Tuesday this week. Then I didn't cry on Tuesday and Thursday. And then Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, you know where I'm going with this. Right. And then it was once a week. And then it was, you know, <clears throat> three times a month. And then it's every two months. And it's part of the process. And you talked about guilt. Part of me was sometimes dealing with that guilt of like, I don't feel as connected anymore. And that's when I said, I realized Nancy's Chris, me, my wife's Chris had to die and go along with her. He had to go with her. That part of me, which was hers and part of us had right. to go with her. 
And, and I said, you know, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> and that's when my mic was open. Uh, you know, so that was my big F-bomb. And ah. it was, you know, it really came from a truly innocent, private, emotional moment I was having. Uh, and it's, you know, it's ironic that that became a thing. I, to this day, it still kind of freaks me out and blows yeah, my that's mind. How you, that's how you'll be remembered in your career. Well, it's getting it's getting buried deeper and deeper in uh, my Google yeah. searches, which I'm happy. We have to do a few more podcasts, and I have to do more of these Chris and Edmund Kitchen episodes. But but my point being that that is part of the process, and you can't you can't feel guilt about that. But yeah. uh, I think you need to really people who are dealing with that need to take a little time to re-examine themselves and what what they're really interested in. And it's it's not disrespecting. It's not disrespecting that person. Uh, there are ways of disrespecting that and, and you know some people do but most people don't just moving on with your life is not disrespecting it um, I mean I don't know if you have any you know ideas or thoughts about that and relating to something like that but I, that's how I feel anyway no but what I said on my 40th birthday which caused a real stir which I stick by which is life is short and getting shorter and the truth of the matter is we only here for a little while mm -hmm. and we got to make the best and try not to burn too many bridges along the way and that's kind of the way i try and live my life now and i get the sense you as well well you know the, the simple rules i gained from this whole experience was that just what you first said life is short life is precious every day is precious you don't know what tomorrow brings Try to find in each day something positive to receive and something positive to give. And I think just, just the sense of getting a better sense of forgiving yourself and realize we're all human. We will all make mistakes. Don't hold people's feet to the fire every time, you know, something <laughs> doesn't go the way you want it to go. Um, and understanding and, ex and accepting that because we're we're faulted creatures we all are and just anger anger is a really really useless it's almost it's as it's as right bad as bad as guilt. worry it's about as bad as worry it, it accomplishes nothing anger hey, is more destructive worry is not self-destructive but, but you know what i mean i'm the son of a lawyer so i have to ask you do have a will and uh all those uh documents ready to go and easy to find if anything should ever happen to you? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny about that. I was for the longest time, you know, the longer you go without a will, to me, it was like, I'm getting superstitious. I'm like, the minute I make a will, I'm going to drop dead. I know it's going <laughs> to I've been doing fine without this will thing. And when my wife was diagnosed early on, and she was still healthy at that point, but we knew where it could go. Um, that's when she said, no, we have, to, we have to get wills. And, and so that's when we did that. You know, I'm, I'm still a romantic at heart and I hate that mechanical kind of stuff, but I know yeah. it has to get done. Yeah. Um, you know, I know people fight over money and wills. And as, as I told my kids, I front loaded their lives. They, they had a great life. <laughs> They've got no college, uh, tuition to pay off, uh, took care of them. Uh, don't expect anything on the way out. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that uh, should I predecease you? Oh, yes. I am, I am leaving you some of my baseball cards ah. and, my, and my Bud Harrelson New York Mets autographed jersey. Wow. Now that's big. That because there you go. Bud, that's a, that's almost Mets. impetus for you to kill me. No, 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 no. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. I've had enough for a while. You, you stay put. But I think, yeah. you know, to, to, to 
put a little upward turn on all of this is anybody who has suffered loss, they need to know that there is light. It's out there. It doesn't always seem like it's out there. And it doesn't necessarily have to even be in finding another partner. Um, you know, I post things sometimes on social media and people see me now, you know, with, with my, with my girlfriend, Edmy and, and I'm happy and, and like, well, I wish I could find somebody, you know, I, I'm, I'm a widow and I wish I could find somebody. And, and, and I hope everybody does, but that doesn't mean you need that to be happy and moving forward. Maybe it's discovering a part of you, a, a craft, a skill you want to travel. You, I mean, these days it's a little, everything's a little restricted, but you know what I mean, but yeah. find things about yourself that will brighten your life that maybe you never thought about before. Uh, so the, the light in all of this can come from different places. It doesn't necessarily have to be an, another partner, but uh, I think understanding how beautiful every day is, I really, if, if I'm looking around at the sunset time, if I'm floating around outside or by a window, I, I just, I will stop and marvel at every sunset because I think- As will I. Yeah. I, I, there are times- the way the sun hits the the clouds or the buildings, um, I still get emotional remembering. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of 1987 of uh, uh, I don't know the day that Janet and I got married in 1987. The sky looks the same, mm. and so I'm still kind of a, a a washcloth like that. I mean, but that's who we are, and I like oh, who we yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, pay attention to the things around you and pay attention to the little things that people do. And the and the other thing that really came forward to me in my head when all of this happened the last several years of my life is, I think for a long time, because I tended to be, oddly enough, I tended to be a very quiet person. And <laughs> I, I was really, and still kind of am a little bit of a wallflower. If I walk into a room or a party with people I don't know, I'm I'm in the corner somewhere. Where's that glass of wine? Where can I sit over? Oh, good. Uh, I can hide there. Perfect. Um, but I think I realized it's important. If somebody, if you feel a certain way about somebody and or somebody does something really nice for you, uh, don't just let it pass. If you see somebody treating someone else really well, just say, you know, that was, I, re I, I remember some, I got on an elevator one day and, and some young girl was helping this old lady on and off. And I just said, you know, that's really very commendable of you. That's very, really very sweet of you. And you should know that that's a good thing that you're doing. And she was looked at me at first, like, you're talking to me? <laughs> and I think if positive things, positive things got reinforced more often, we'd start to see more of them happen. Because isn't that what we really are? We're creatures of looking for approval. We're all, we're all still looking for approval. First it's mommy and daddy, then it's your other half, then it's your kid, whatever it is. Everybody's always seeking, your boss, we're seeking approval. Tell somebody the next time you see something being done well, or they treat you well. I go into stores now and when, when the cashier or somebody's really extra sweet, and I'll, I'll, I'll make a point of saying to them, thank you so much. Yeah, You have a great attitude and a great spirit. It's really, I really appreciate that. Think about, if you were told that, you're going to go like, oh, I got to keep doing this because people are noticing now. If we all did it, I think we could enhance the growth of good and better behavior towards each other, as opposed to looking for reasons to not like each other or disagree with each other. Because I've 
kind of had it with that. And when I see days like today, and I saw a 47-year-old ray of sunshine, a woman who brought happiness to everybody, has been taken from us, man, we, we need 10 people or more to replace her, to fill that void. We don't need more slugs with negativity to replace it. Amen. I'm I off the that's... soapbox. Good night, everybody. Mic drop. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Yeah. Um, and by the way, yes, this still is Middle Age Warriors. He still is Chris Cimino. I still am Rick Summers. Sim Sum. Sim Sum. <laughs> Which like is like that. dim sum. But uh, before we wrap, we want to also uh, thank previous guests that we've had. If you haven't checked out the shows, please do. Our, yeah. our last show actually had some great information. I wish you guys would go to it uh, with Dr. Brian McDonough. He was on for the second time, but talking about the vaccine now that it's out, the second vaccine and why we need it and, and different approaches to it and how we uh, can eventually get out of this. Of course, uh, prior to that, we had uh, Meredith Vieira. We've had to uh, talk about the election and post-election and all sorts of nonsense. But go back to those old episodes too. Some of them, eh, they're not half bad, right? No, actually, they're pretty good. And I uh, I went back and listened just on my phone and I uh, thought, you know what? This is actually pretty decent. These guys aren't half bad. But maybe, some, uh, <laughs> maybe someday we'll get paid for this. We'll see how that works. And next week, if everything goes well, I'm going to actually yes. put it out there. But if everything goes well, we're going to have sportscaster extraordinaire who is now a talk show host on radio who I worked with at uh, WNBC for many years and, and worked at NBC Network and, and, and spanning the globe, the sports spanning, uh, Len Berman, the one and only. And uh. it's going to be really interesting to sit down and talk to Len about everything. Baseball season's getting underway. Pitchers and catchers have reported as of this uh, recording today. So as, as we look out the window at another snowstorm here. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know what? And people say... What's the deal with the weather? And I say, listen, I'm just quoting my friend, Chris. It's friggin' February and it's supposed to snow. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're in New Orleans or Dallas or Houston where yeah. it's been happening, oh, that's, those been, poor that's, people. that's been a little odd. But yeah. uh, that'll be another show we can talk about those kinds of things. But I, I, think we're, I think we're done on this topic. I just wanted people to understand that it's not the end. It's a new beginning. I know it doesn't feel that way and it will take time. Uh, there are places and sources to go to. If you need help, seek it out. Don't be afraid. Men, do not be afraid, uh, or women for that matter. And, uh, you know, everybody gets through it uh, eventually. It's just uh, everybody's path is a little different. And listen, we still need to talk about all the other loss that we face in life. But uh, this one was prevalent and timely because of uh, Catherine Craig's passing so early at the age of 47. Thank you for sharing uh, what you did, Chris, and I really appreciate the insight. Well, thank you for allowing me to do that. And I really want to send my best, uh, you know, to her family and my family uh, at Today New York. I, I realized while I guess it's a little more than 18 months now, when this went down, all I can think of is how I just wanted to be with all of them and give them a hug and just, and seeing them today, you, you know, you work with some people for 20, 15 years in, in that kind of a unit. And especially those yeah. early morning hours where, you know, misery loves company, you really get closer. I realized that they really are my family uh, as well. They're, they're, they're certainly part of my family. And I, I send my, my love to all of them and, and strength to uh, Kat's family, her husband and her three beautiful children. And I hope they find and get the support that they need to get through this and move on and, and we'll always you know live in the glow of that woman boy because she radiated that's all i can say because with that 
Sunshine always. And I think I was, it fits perfectly uh, for Cat Craig. I was just going to steal that from you and say, as Chris always says, sunshine always. Yeah. I always say, be good, feel good. You get what you give. And uh, we really appreciate you spending some time with us, middle-aged warriors, on Believe. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.